0: So we're back at it this month, in the month of February. I know it's Black History Month, and a lot of um, a lot of things will be said about black history and just blackness in general, which I agree with. But I hope that we can get to the point where black history is no longer necessary. And I've said this before, where Black History Month is, is, is something that we don't need because we teach history as exactly that history. We don't teach it separately, you know? Um, so I kind of had a good conversation with my kids today, but I kind of want to talk about um, like where we currently are and then um, the movie Black Panthers comes out on February the 16th, so next Friday, and I'm, and I'm excited. Uh, well, excited is really an understatement. So I'm gonna have a couple of different um, responses to that just because I think that you can dive very deep. Um, there's a lot of layers to peel back with with the movie black panther but before i see it i'm just going to reflect on where we currently are and then kind of just move on from there so um i had this thought i had this thought so this is on the lines of of a black panther being culturally relevant it's just going to be an amazing movie culturally we're going to see um black bodies represented in a way that we haven't seen before and just how powerful that is so It's important to understand the opposite of that so it's important to understand why that is going to have such a cultural impact so I'm gonna take it back to something that I'm familiar with um, and that's the Confederate flag And, and you're like what what how does this connect just 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 bear with me so the the Confederate flag for a lot of southerners I'll just be politically correct and it represents Southern heritage or Southern pride to a lot of Southerners whatever that means right well we kinda know what that means and when we say things like Southern pride or, or Southern heritage you know those are those are analogies for um, the good old days basically we we know what that means and a lot of times people will, will, will say things like well the South lost and and how can you fly a losers flag and I've said the same things and, and I feel the same way so did the South technically lose the war the the Civil War the war North Northern aggression um, absolutely they lost the war but if you look at it in a in a different aspect they they really didn't lose if, if you truly think about it so um, the Civil War was over in 1865 uh, reconstruction lasted for about a period of 10 to 11 years in which the North sent down federal troops to kind of stabilize the region because it was a war zone. It just it just finished up a war zone. Um, but largely after Reconstruction was considered over, the, the social, the political, um, all of those hierarchies stayed the same. So the political hierarchy of uh, who was a judge, who was um, being able to serve on a jury, who enforced the laws, uh, all of those things hasn't did not change from 1865 to 1895 now do you have the advent of a couple examples of of blackness um being able to rise out of the depths of slavery absolutely but if you look at the large general population of african-americans left behind after the civil war their status in society was relatively the same so even though it was legally um Permissible to own a slave in 1864, but you fast forward to 1866, and that's not legally permissible. If you look at society and how um, the structure of society, you know, was set up, it it was very similar as far as the caste system. You had your black, you had your black bodies on the bottom, you had your poor whites over them. Um, you had your, your aristocrat class over them, and, and that's how the social hierarchy of the South has been before the Civil War. And in 2018, that's still how the social hierarchy of the South and the North is. You have your black and brown bodies, you have your, you know, your middle class or whatever whites, you have your other group of minorities, and then, of course, you have your upper elites. Now, in that, do you have um, successful black people, successful Hispanic, successful Asian people? Absolutely. So it's not a simple, you know, black versus white thing. But once again, if you look at the general population of African-Americans, compared to their surrounding counterparts, we still are on the bottom rung of the social hierarchy. Um, So I think it's very important to understand that as much as we feel like the South is the South is one. I mean, the South lost it. So once again, did the South lose the war technically? Yeah, absolutely, you know, their army had to surrender to the Northern Army. But if you look at um, the political climate and even just the social climate, people in the South truly never lost. So one thing that we have to understand is that the American Civil War had an immense, immense um, human toll associated with it, um, immense human sacrifice so more americans died in the american civil war than in every other war combined period point like so it was um a quarter of a million people died in the civil war there was there, i mean entire entire populations of men were wiped out both in the north and the south so once the war was concluded there was this huge sense of whatever it takes we have to bring the country back together have to And just to be honest, there's this huge sense of was it really worth it for all these people to die over slaves? I mean, let's just be honest. So you fast forward and you realize that um, after Reconstruction was over, by and large part, the same individuals who were generals, who were corporals, who were. treasonous against the United States, were the same people who were allowed to be senators, who were allowed to be governors, who were allowed to be, you know, uh, just just average citizens. And then another thing that you see happening is the concentration of wealth in the same locations. <laughs> so, you know, when the Civil War was over, it, it would have made complete logical sense to basically take a plantation split up the land among a certain amount of, of black people so they can have something and then you know just just give them something to live off of well 10 to 15 years after the civil war you still have the same slave masters former slave masters I should say owning the same land and those same former slaves working the same job um they just call it something different you know so they'll, they'll call it uh um what they're farming, you know they're sharecroppers. they are sharecroppers now. it functions the same. So you fast forward to like how does that affect us today? It affects us because even as a white person today, if you if if you just look out, and if you think about, you know, a lawyer or if you think about a doctor or if you think about a police officer or if you think about any individual in society, most of the people that that you know that look like that if you're white are probably white. So if you're a white person, most of the doctors that you know are are, are probably white. If you're a white person, most of the postmen or most of the lawyers, most of um, if you're in those circles, most of the CEOs that you know are white. So why does that why does that impact us? because we automatically have a reaction to things that are uncommon to things that we're not used to seeing so just by virtue of us um, being Americans growing up in the day and age in which we do unless we can consciously go back and acknowledge our biases when they happen and then deal with it we're going to be biased we're going to be prejudiced um, because we live in a society that holds whiteness above Um, other colors and it's that's not I'm not pointing fingers at anybody I'm just stating a fact you know and you can look at history you can look at the facts of you know for the for the same reason that we have to have anytime that you hear the first African American to do this the first black to do to do that you sometimes we don't peel back the layers and to have the first means that everyone before that everyone before that happened to be white so you either have to believe one or two things that there were no qualified black candidates or maybe there were some qualified black candidates but just through the randomness of life they never ascended to the ranks of astronaut or they never ascended to the ranks of oscar winner or they never ascended to the ranks of you know bobsledder right or you have to acknowledge that um there are structures in society that systematically disenfranchise people of color even if they are qualified and then to acknowledge that in one aspect you also have to say well okay if there are systematic policies in place to prevent um certain people from attaining the you know So where does that leave us now? How does that tie us into Black Panther? I promise I'm going to make this connection for you guys. It's because if we look at other amazing works of cinema in which it stars a predominantly black cast or a black character, so you can look at a Denzel Washington, um, the autobiography of Malcolm X, uh, or even the movie that he won an Oscar for, Training Day. Um, You can look at a Sidney Poitier films, his many films. You can look at When Halle Berry, Won an Oscar, and what did they win the Oscars for? Like, like what type of roles were they in, in which the Academy Awards felt compelled to give them the Best Actor, the Best Actress award? It's it's still in a reality in which you have white society being dominant, and of course these things aren't spoken, these things aren't um, articulated because they don't have to be. Because Denzel in Training Day was a was a crooked cop who also robbed drug deals, like like that's who he was as a person so that was easy and it was believable so why is uh, Black Panther so important because it transforms the setting of the story from America even even there, there are amazing stories that are told within this reality and there's nothing wrong with that this is the current reality that we live so there's nothing wrong with acknowledging for what it is writing and producing amazing stories with it but sometimes we need to think outside the box So the story of Wakanda being the African nation with the most technologically advanced society on the planet. And on top of that, this guy, once again, I heard this analogy and it's the best analogy that I heard so far. They said it's like black James Bond with a spiritual component. So in a James Bond movie, anytime you watch a James Bond movie, I don't care if you can't even understand what they're saying, just by watching it, you want James Bond to win. He is obviously the good guy. He's obviously the force of good. And it doesn't matter what, you know, the bad guy's names are or things of that nature. At the end of the movie, you want him to be successful. And that's the same way that we will feel about Tatala being the Black Panther. You're gonna want him to be successful and it has a spiritual component to it that obviously James Bond doesn't so it this movie is as much for black people now now this is for us Like don't don't get it twisted this is what we needed on a spiritual level on an emotional level on an entertainment level this is for us first and foremost let's not get that twisted however um, other people of other races can also be truly impacted by this in a powerful way and i think that different people will have different experiences from this movie simply because we've never been able to look at black and brown bodies as the most important figures in the scene on the screen you you also have to look at the representation of black people so Halle Berry is a light-skinned black woman there is an aspect of colorism if you don't know what that means colorism in people of In communities of color, there's a preference given to lighter skinned individuals, and of course, there is a negative connotation associated with darker skinned individuals. This is something that is kind of uh, a side effect of living in a society that values whiteness above blackness. This isn't you know something that's new to the black or brown community but it exists. and if you look at Black Panther every female lead character that has a powerful part is a dark-skinned black woman. T'Challa's love interest is a dark-skinned black woman. T'Challa himself is a dark-skinned black man and just to have not only representation of, 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 of different people on screen but different skin complexions it once again it just gives people the ability to look at it as a entertainment value and say hey why couldn't there be a black king that's also a billionaire that has the you know the most technology that we've ever seen why can't no it's not that big a deal if we see a black astronaut it's not that big a deal like 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 these things will no longer be the first it'll just be commonplace and i think that um, the movie, like Black Panther, can be a watershed moment. It can be a cultural watershed, so people can kind of wake up, like, ah, like I've, like I've been feeling like things are just a little bit weird, but wow, you know, this, this like really is something that I've never experienced before. And then the hunger and the appetite for those different types of stories can be exciting and enticing to not only black and brown people, but white people as well. So once again, I'm excited about Black Panther. I hope that you learned something from this podcast. I want you to hit me up with your feedback. Let me know if you disagree. I think I messed up on saying that Reconstruction lasted 10 to 11 years. Um, but at the end of the day, peace and love to all you all.